Welcome to The Porch. I'm Lindsay Bocardo, keynote speaker and virtual presenter for organizations who want to build strong, multi-generational teams. I believe that the modern day leader has a moral obligation to grow personally and lead others from a grounded and healthy and healed place. You're going to hear me bring on psychologists, neuroscience experts, storytellers, emotional intelligence researchers, really anything that helps a leader grow personally and ultimately impact the culture of their organization. This is where I bring my favorite thought leaders on these topics to teach and mentor us through our own growth. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to the porch. Today we have Galen with me. Thank you for coming. Hello. Galen is fantastic. Can I share a little bit about you? Do it. Okay. Galen's <laughs> incredible because I got to tell you this, Galen, you don't know this, but I was on a call with somebody today and they're like, I want to be a speaker you know, as I continue to develop my career, have you ever heard of this guy named Galen Emanuel? And I was like, yeah, I'm talking to him in three hours. You have a fan club that you don't even, some of them, you know, some of them you don't, but I met one of your fans tonight today, which was totally like, I was like, are you pulling my chain? Do you know that we're about to hang out? She's like, no, I had no idea. So Galen is known throughout the interwebs and in real life. He works with incredible companies you've probably heard of, like Microsoft and NASA, you know, organizations like that. He transforms the way teams and organizations approach and establish culture. And that is the word of the year, isn't it? How he helps humans perform together and helps them understand how they're impacting each other. His unique content is full of actionable tools to massively improve team dynamics, communication, EQ, and generate high level performance and engagement. He makes awesome weekly videos. You've got to check him out on his YouTube page. Galen, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I am, I'm just so thrilled to be here and get to jam with you and talk about the stuff. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're lovely. Yeah. I love your color coordinated books behind you. I just love everything. We, as we got on the call, we realized that we're like color coordinated and didn't plan it, but like tan, yeah. black underneath, just like, you know, just kind of, just a little something. No, we <laughs> just a little something. Uh, I love it. Thanks for having yes. me. Yes. You know, I've been watching you for, I've been stalking you for a while, uh, but one of my favorite things, there's these two pieces of you that I just so resonate with. You're this deeply curious person and you're a performer at heart. And so you kind of bring like your all that you love to learn and how you kind of bring information together for us to understand and make it bite size. I just have so much respect for you and your ability to do that. Thank you. It's so cool. Thank I'm you. really curious. Can you share from the moment you were born? Just kidding. But can you share with us a little bit about like a childhood memory that shaped you into who you are today or how you got here? You brought together these awesome skills to be the speaker you are. Can you share a little bit with us? Um, childhood memory. Yeah, I, uh, I've got one. Maybe this just sums up a lot of things about me. I don't know if it informs anything about what we're doing here or what I do. But <laughs> when I was a kid, I was very, uh, you know, very outgoing. I was, you know, very loud, wanted to talk, do things. I loved school. I loved learning, but I was just fast. And I was just noisy and active and always got in trouble for talking and things like that. So at one point, like, I'll give you the like what happened and then behind the scenes, which is obvious, but not to me as a kid. I used to in my like elementary school uh, classes, I grew up in Canada. So uh, elementary school grade, like three, probably 
what would happen was they worked out a system in my school with my teacher where I would get, there's these like plastic tokens. They were the size of a quarter and they were yellow on one side, red on the other side. They were just plastic. And I could get up to four a day, two before lunch and two after lunch. And it was like, how well do I behave? How like, do I, do I not, do I not talk out in class and like get in trouble? And, and like, if I was cool up to lunch, I could get up to two and then after lunch, after two. And then at the end of the day or the end of the week or whatever, I could go to the counselor's office in the school and, and exchange them for quarters. So like, and my parents like set this up with the school and da, da, da. like, basically I was so obnoxiously loud and class clowny and da, 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 that like, my, I didn't, you know, I didn't, you, when you're a kid, you're not aware of like the whole thing, but like they worked, yeah. this, we'll work this out with my parents to be like, we will pay your kid to shut up. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, at the time I never, I didn't, you know, you don't piece anything together. Like your parents set this up or whatever. I was like, oh man, these tokens, I can trade them in for quarters. And like, um, you know, I'm just an entrepreneur. So like, there's just incentive there. And like, obviously my parents knew me and they knew that that would work and would do like, it. How well it worked, I don't know, but I know that like that was a thing. So, uh, you know, shaped me as a kid. I think I've always been kind of a performer and loud mm-hmm. and I'm outgoing. Uh, hopefully not obnoxious, but that's, you know, um, context dependent, I guess. But yeah, so <laughs> that's just a funny thing when I look back at my childhood and I was like, oh, yeah, I used to this used to be an element of like me in school for like one of the years that I was in school. Um I don't know. Is that a good answer? That's a great answer. <laughs> and, you know, thing. this is what's so interesting is like people that have high energy, like you're a nuclear power plant of energy. It's just like, you know, bubbling off of you all the time. And I see that when I'm like that too. And it's like, some people would say we're intense, but I'm like, not when we channel it in the right ways, it's actually really fun, but it is, a, it's like your one of your superpowers that you channel into exactly what you do today, which makes perfect sense. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. I, so I guess I just have always been that. So like a performer, just like that's yeah. feels so comfortable, like in front of people doing things, uh, you know, but yeah. I think that's yeah. so cool. When you were, when did you realize that you were ready to switch from improv to like try something new? Was there a moment, like a curious moment for you? Or was there like a clean break? Like I'm done traveling and eating Wendy's chili on the road or like, what was that moment for you? No, no. Uh, and I'm like my, like my career of improv, like uh, there's a quote, quote sort of like in the improv universe at the end of like, at the end of a lifetime career of improv, all you have is a, is a bunch of shirts from a bunch of like improv festivals. Like <laughs> so my life wasn't like touring around and, you know, I got to go on tour a few times with the guys from Who's Line, but like basically my improv career was like doing improv at a theater in Bellingham, Washington for years and years and years. So I guess like without taking a really long time, because origin stories, people are like, ah, oh, boring, but I had always had sales and marketing jobs. Yeah. And I've always been an entrepreneur always like on the like psychology of like, why do people do what they do? And just like, I just am so fascinated by people. So I had, you know, sales marketing kind of jobs in my career. I started doing improv just as a hobby. I didn't realize you could take improv classes. I heard about the theater opening. I was like, Oh, you can take improv classes. I went there first day, first class. I was like, Oh my God, all of my weirdness belongs here. I'm like, I'm home. I just fell in love with it. So I took classes for a long time. I started performing, I started teaching and I've been doing that for years. At one point I became the marketing and sales director for the improv theater. Cause I was also like, I'm business minded. I know how to yeah. make, make money. And so I got that job. And when I got that role, one of the things I knew that I wanted to do was start doing this crossover work of 
teaching teams and individuals and leaders and just how to take the skills and principles of improv and apply them to business because it's not, you know, I know that there's other practitioners that do that kind of work, but to me, it's not, the value isn't necessarily in like, think on your feet and be creative and that kind of stuff. It's, it's about communication. It's about like yes. emotional impact, like right, emotional intelligence and like personal impact of how do I respond to you? How do I communicate with you? And so those like main improv kind of skills and tenets around just like saying yes, looking for ways to say yes, being present, listening, making other people feel listened to, like making other people look good to embrace change and failure to like be positive in like in an authentic way. Uh, like though I'm like, there's so much value there for teams and how people show up, yeah. how you impact people as leaders and, and coworkers. So I just started doing that work of like developing curriculum and putting on classes and, uh, and just started testing out what worked and what didn't and did that for a couple of years of doing it there in that role. And it had just kind of taken off. I was working with Microsoft and I was like, I just, I was like, I love this. I never want to do anything other than this ever because it's improv, it's business. It's like, I love it. So I left, started my own company and that was now seven, almost eight years ago. So um, it wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to leave this corporate job and go do this thing or I'm going to stop doing improv and this. I was just like, it just was very organic. And I was like, I have found something that is incredibly valuable that I love, that I can continue to learn and grow. And so it started off as doing skills training kind of stuff with teams and it has evolved and developed over these years into like doing like culture work and like how to whole organizations establish culture that's intentional. And so, you know, I'm always learning, growing, evolving content and stuff. So that, that was probably way too long, but that's sort that's of how to this and, and where I am. So, yeah. I think that's so, because part of it too, is that I know that I know some of the people that are here on the show with us today you know, we're all trying to wiggle towards our next career move. And it's always good to hear somebody's story who, you know, in one sense, if you had a goal, you might say, I've arrived. I've nailed it. I'm keynoting for a living. This is what I do. I'm awesome at it. I've got banging videos. Like, yes. And I didn't get here overnight. It was a wiggle towards. It wasn't just like stop one thing, do another. I think giving ourselves that space to be curious and move towards something new and try things out. And I'm sure along the way you and I've done this too where you're like this presentation is going to be amazing and then halfway through you're like this presentation is not working at all right now <laughs> you know and having to learn and yeah. grow as we go yeah, yeah. so good uh, for all of us to hear yeah. and, and that too I think that like I just I feel like as much as I've done and where I am right now like I'm so grateful for that but I feel like I haven't even started I'm always learning I just I feel like I'm crawling at the base of Mount Everest I feel like there's so much more to do to learn and like and develop and like I just am that sort of entrepreneur mode of like there's just so many next level things that are in the works and it's just like that long game of just like keep working keep working keep building keep doing you know just like keep making impact, keep making videos, keep learning, keep developing better processes and ways to help companies and stuff. So, you know, it's that part of it is fun for me. They're like, there's no arrive. There's like, it'll never, there's no final point. Like, Oh, I'm doing keynotes. And like, you know, it's like, I'm not the kind of person who's like, Oh, I'm comfortable. Uh, You know, like, I'm just like, I want more. I want to do more. I want to help more. So yeah, it's fun. I love it. I love it. Love it. That's, that's so cool. And it sounds like you've really made that shift towards that picture around company culture, that concept of culture. And a lot of people have an idea or maybe don't have an idea of what we mean by culture because people, remember that phrase that was popular like a couple years ago, what is it? Culture eats strategy for lunch. Remember this? Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. Share with us a little bit, you know, what the heck is culture? Like, how do you define it? And 
what's like a tip that you can see right now that can help people as they kind of are struggling through how to do the culture thing? Yeah. Uh, such a juicy topic. And, you know, if you ask 20 people, what is culture? How do you do culture in an organization? Like you get different answers across all the different. And part of that for me, I think is helping teams understand my version of it. I'm not the world's most expert in everything in the universe, but like I have seen a lot of ways that work and like the, this process of like, this is how to go about doing this in a really tactical way. So to me, starting back at like, how do you define culture? What is culture? Um, and it, culture basically is the behaviors and mindsets that dictate and inform the way people show up and perform their jobs and treat other people, right? It's basically, what does it mean to be here and how do we operate together? So exceptional culture is created through clearly defined behaviors and mindsets that everybody understands universally, that everybody takes responsibility and accountability for 100% across the organization that nobody is exempt from, um, yeah. right? That we can say, with clarity, this is how we show up. This is how we are together. This is how we operate as a team in regards to how do we do our work? Um, how do we address, what are our mindsets around feedback, right? And, and conflict and these types of things. But you know what most organizations have in place, um, not to criticize, but is, is sort of culture 1.0. So you look at most organizations in the universe and be like, what's your culture? They have a mission statement, a vision statement, a list yep. of corporate values that are, uh, save you some time, trust, integrity, respect, teamwork, fun, excellence, which is great. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. It's like, that's what it companies is. know how to do. It's like, that's well, right. we need corporate values and be like, the truth is, and you see this on the ground, you know it in organization, if you work for an organization, those things don't mean anything to anybody. They don't impact the way that employees show up on the front line. The executive leadership team thinks they're cool, but it, they don't actually change people's behaviors. I don't think about when I come to work, like trust, integrity, respect, teamwork. And so what I help teams do sort of is like go from that like 1.0 version of culture to like 3.0 is like, how do we actually clearly define culture so that we can all answer the same thing when we say, what is our culture here? And then not just to define it, but how do we implement it? How do we integrate it into all of the feet, like how, what it means to be here and like hiring, onboarding, training and development, but like how do teams and individual people inside this company think about how they show up? How do they talk mm -hmm. about how they show up together? How do they like, what do they hold themselves accountable to? What do we hold each other accountable to? And so, um, yeah, it's a long answer. We're going to get into a lot of stuff, but I think even talking about sort of like how to do some of those things, I would love to cover here because I think that's what's missing. Organizations yeah. are waking up to the reality that culture matters. The way people feel about their jobs has an impact on bottom line and like how successful yes. we are as a company and like, and how do we do it is this sort of like million dollar question. And I think collectively, I will stop talking after a second. I know I get on a get going, but right. collectively, there's also this, sometimes this attitude, you have people like Richard Branson out there being like, there's no secret sauce to culture. You just treat other people the way you want to be treated. Or people being like, oh, culture is just like one conversation at a time. And I'm like, bullshit. That's not, that's not like, that doesn't work. It's not scalable. It relies on the intelligence, the capacity of any individual leader and any individual team, which is why in organizations, you can work for the marketing department and it's great. And people love each other and they get along well, da, da, da. but in the like operations department, people hate each other, right? Or you have silos yes. between departments. You have completely different cultures inside an organization because there is, because most organizations don't have the like knowledge and the capacity, like how, how do you create a scalable, consistent culture that is like universal for us? Um, that's 
tangible, that's real and authentic. That isn't just like a list of broad, loose concepts that don't impact people. So I will stop talking, but no, that actually, there's what been is request, culture. There's been a request in the chat that you don't stop talking, actually. So <laughs> keep going. <laughs> if I talk too much, I don't get my quarters. Uh, oh, that's right. I got to ship those to you after this. <laughs> I got to give you so, quarters. Yeah. And hopefully through this, we can get into some of that because I'd love to share yes. somehow. And ha- the how is the missing piece. It's like you, HR directors, executives, people in business, like how do you do culture? How do you wrap your arms around like this complex, elusive idea of how do I get every employee in this organization to hold themselves accountable to a very clear set of behaviors that are that that makes sense, right? Not mm-hmm. trust and integrity, but like we don't badmouth other people. If you have a problem with somebody else, you go right to the source and you sort it out with them. Like, how do you create a culture where people understand that that is the fabric of your team? And when that situation arises, everybody knows how to deal. And that's how things get dealt with. Right. How do we deal with feedback, like change mindset, you know, like hitting deadlines, paying attention to detail? Like, how how do you be here? Like, how do you approach yes. the world? How do you treat other people? So good stuff. It reminds me though of like elementary school. Does everybody remember where you would go into like your third grade class and there would be like behavior rules on the wall that were very clear. And then somehow we get into companies and organizations. We grow up and we're like, listen, we're just going to all talk about some ideas like trust and respect and innovation, but we don't actually talk about, well, what behaviors would even lead us to that point? How do we even get there? So it's, it's really interesting to think about. It sounds like part of it is almost like maybe creating a, a rule book based on behaviors. Like when this happens, this is how we behave. When this happens, this is how we behave. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, but I, I, yes, it is. Simply. And I it, it's it's <laughs> more simple than that, right? It's it's as simple as like, what are the ground rules yeah. of how we show up together? That's it, right? That's and so it. if, and and for organizations to be like, well, excellence, like, yeah, you want people to be excellent. And I'm like, of course you do, but what does that mean to you, right? Yeah. And so what is an example of what excellence looks like in practice? To me, right, if I'm saying I want everybody here, we we want to like chase after excellence. We want to become excellent. One way to do that to me is to ask for feedback. So if I'm like, cool, let's yeah. move past the idea of excellence and say here in this organization, all of us actively seek out feedback. And we also receive it with grace, right? And we, we don't see feedback as a threat. We see it as an opportunity to improve like ourselves and our relationships with our coworkers. That is to me is an example of excellence and yep. weak and, and it's clear and simple. Every, if, if, if everybody heard that, if everybody on this call yeah. were part of an organization and that's what we said, and that's what we talked about. We like, that's right. Our, our, relationship with feedback is that all of us leaders, the CEO, everybody, every employee actively seeks out feedback on a like regular, on a pretty regular basis, not every day, but like, and we receive it with grace. We use that as an opportunity to improve together and create better relationships. And that's what we talk about when we talk about feedback. Like now you are starting to build behaviors and mindsets and language around like, I know how to be here. But when we say excellence, Every person has a different idea of what that means. And yeah. ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. It's it's a concept. It's not like excellence. It's like to, to one person to the next, it's 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 so loosely defined. So that's uh, well said. Yeah. Really well said. What do you think some of the what stops people from having a healthy culture or getting culture right? What do you think some of the biggest barriers are 
to be able to do exactly what you're saying. Yep. Honestly, for me, it's not that the work is too hard to do. It's that people don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do. So if I'm a leader and I have, a, I have 400 employees or 4,000 employees, or I have, a, I have 10 employees on my team, I don't know how. I don't know how to get people to act the same way. I don't, right? It's like, it's just the capacity of like, I don't know how to do this. And so it'd be the same question if you asked me to like about sales. Well, it's like, cool, you want to have better sales, you want to have better equipped salespeople. It's like, how, how do we do that? It's like, well, people need the skill, they need to know how, right? And so your salespeople will close more deals if they have the ability to handle objections, right? Or ask closing questions. Like there are skills that you can gain to make you better at this thing you want to be better at. And culture is no different. It's a skill set. It is. And for you as a Mm -hmm. leader to understand this is how you do this on a team of people, whether that's a team of just eight people inside an organization or an entire organization, the skill set of how do you establish and sustain a very intentional culture is a skill set. And like, it's just not talked about that way. I don't think it's not viewed that way. And also you'd be like, cool. So where do we get that skill set from? And the deep, the, any, if you seek out conversations about culture, when, well, my observation is the deepest it ever gets is like, define your values. Uh, And I'm like, that's not helpful to me. Like, So I think it's hard to find resources, information, people that understand like this is how to do this on a tactical, tangible, step-by-step level in an organization. Just like if you hire a director of marketing, they need to have know-how. How do you create yes. a plan? How do you do it? Not just build great products and advertising to people or do like online advertising. It's like, what does that mean? What are the tactical, like little tiny steps? Like what are the granular pieces of that? that turn it into just a process and a system that you can, that's a skill set. So that's how I see culture. And the biggest barrier to me is that like, it doesn't get talked about. And I, I have not received an MBA from like Ivy league schools, but I feel pretty confident that you can go get an MBA from Harvard and you're never going to be like, this is how to establish culture inside an organization. And it's so critical, but who's teaching it? Like, where do you get this education or this knowledge from? Everyone's just sort of out here winging it. So that's what I see. Not a criticism, but I think that's the biggest barrier. It's just like, I don't know how. I know that culture matters. I want to have a great culture, but it's it's a very complex thing to sort of wrap my arms around. So how do I do it? If I'm an HR director or I'm an executive or I'm a small business owner, it's like, I just, how, how do I do it? Yep. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm so curious what you think about when people use the term soft skills, because it, you're teaching skills, but how does that, you know, I'm curious how it hits you and people say, I just need to learn some soft skills. Yeah. Um, a couple of different ways. I know that the point of the question is that like soft makes it seem like they're not important da, 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 and like emotional intelligence is one of the most critical skills that anybody can have as a leader, yeah. as an employee, as a human being. It's like anyone can learn to do any technical task. Emotional intelligence is your ability to like navigate conflict, build relationships, communicate with people, understand your emotions. Like it, it, it's so important. And so, but we refer to those as like soft skills. I know that like the rap is sort of like, they're not soft skills, they're critical people skills. And I totally agree with that. Um, the mindset and the, the language has been around so long that when you say soft skills, most people understand so like what that means. And so yeah. I like it as a term because people can immediately be like, I know what you mean, smiling. Yeah. And like interacting with people and listening. Um, so, you know, it's not, I don't think it's, you know, it's called soft skills. I think when it was generated, it's, they weren't like very important. It's like, these are soft skills as opposed to like hard technical skills. Um, they're, cri- they're critical. Yeah. If you don't have soft skills, 
it's very hard to be successful, I think, as a leader, as a coworker, because human beings are dynamic, people are interesting. And if you work in a workplace, even if you're all engineers, everybody has a very different communication style, right? We're very diverse and people are diverse in terms of how they think, how they learn, their working style, their communication style, um, how they navigate conflict. Like people are just very diverse and, and the ability to successfully navigate and impact, right? And, and works and work successfully, right? With different skill sets and people and, and understand them. I think like emotional intelligence is sort of the key to that. So yes. um, yeah. So what do I think of the term? It's fine for what it's used for. It doesn't, it's like people need to understand that those are the most critical skills of business. It's like higher for soft skills, higher for personality, higher for growth mindset and emotional intelligence. Anyone can learn how to do a job. Um, so that's how I feel about it. It's that's awesome. A must. Well, I was thinking, I'm like, you and I, we're going to rebrand it and call it critical skills. Like you have technical skills and you have critical skills. And I think even people skills, like yes. critical people skills, like human skills, whatever it is like, yeah. But yeah, it's just, they're, they're crucial to success. And especially yeah. as a leader, I don't think you can be a core skills. Uh, Jenny, somebody in the chat. So that's we call nice. them core skills. Love yeah. It. yeah. I think really, really great. So a rebrand there, a shifting of how important they are is important. So core skills yeah. is great. Critical people skills, critical, like, uh, I love it. So that's great. Yes. Hey, if you've got a question for Gala and make sure to write it in the chat, Sam's collecting them and we're going to go into rapid fire Q and a with Galen here soon. So make sure you, if you have a question, put it in the chat and I want to ask you one more because life is weird right now. Life is weird. We are, some of us are having to go back to work. Some of us are, at home, some of us are doing a combo platter. What advice would you give to leaders to help make our lives and teams better at work, given this wonky scenario we're in? What would you say, Galen? Uh, before I answer that, I just want to say combo platter was, that was a fantastic use of combo platter. <laughs> Thank you. It was great. Lovely. I like it. Um, and, you know, this, maybe it's an obvious answer from me, but I think that culture matters. I think knowing how to do culture matters. And I think whether you have a remote team or a hybrid team or an in-person team or whatever, uh, you know, this work around establishing and defining culture creates a sense of like safety, security, belonging, trust. Like it just, it does so much to a team that we say, it doesn't matter who you are individually, whether you're an extrovert, introvert, you doesn't really matter what your role is inside the organization or on this team. Uh, this is how we operate together. This is how we treat each other as a team. And I think like that is such a critical piece to be like, it doesn't matter if you're remote, hybrid, in-person or whatever, when we have static or conflict with somebody else on this team, we don't gossip about them. We go right to the source and we sort it out with that person. Like creating ground rules uh, right, which is basically like behavioral based culture yep. is so important. How do we treat each other? And and yeah. regardless of how we work together, like what does it mean to be here? And, and like, how do we show up as a team? Like not just what are we as a team? We're a, we're a marketing team inside this organization. How? How are we as a team? How do we treat each other? How do we approach our work together? And like what consistent, clear, accountable kind of like guidelines can we create in that space? So to me, it's like seek out, get good at establishing culture, understanding like why that matters. Um, 
So uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's critical, and I think that we've seen that this has been highlighted throughout this pandemic and throughout this year is like how important those things are because it, you know certainly like this has tested the metal of every organization. Do you actually care about your people? What does it actually feel like to be there? And I think that organizations who do put a lot of priority and focus on employee experience, culture, right? did a lot better and have done and are doing a lot better right now in terms of retaining employees and like, and having right people not get to the point of being burnt out or feeling totally abandoned by the organization versus companies who are like, Oh yeah, those things are an afterthought. Culture is foofy. It's not important. Employee experience is like whatever, pay people as little as possible and have them do this job. Like they suffered the most. And I saw that firsthand a million times over with different organizations. It's like leaders who cared about people, just the way people showed up, um, and that to me is culture, it's environment. What does it feel like to be here? How do we treat each other? So uh, someone had a question. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, is it question time? Yeah. I liked it. Uh, it. And we didn't really get necessarily into the like how to culture thing. Is there going to be an opportunity for that? Maybe yeah. just someone put that in the questions. And yes. then when we get there, I'll at least rapid fire run through. If you want to create culture, here are the steps to do it sort of in order in a like comprehensive way. So I, yep. so I want to make sure to just at least get through that. But yes, what, what do you think? Should, should I answer Let's this do a question? question? Yeah. Any recommendations or thoughts on interviewing for soft skills, but taking the word culture fit or that entire concept out of the interview equation? Yes. Uh, great. From Erica. I love it. And like people are putting in, how do you create a culture in the question? <laughs> They're doing exactly what you said. You're so great. Said. You're so lovely. Okay. So yeah. first of all, interviewing for soft skills, taking the word culture fit. So Culture fit to me in terms of a a term, obviously like it's problematic. It leads to bias. It's a way to reinforce bias. Be like, oh, this person's not a culture fit. And here's what I'll say about that when I have that conversation. And then I will will specifically circle back to like interviewing for specific skills. But when it comes to culture fit, because organizations do culture in a backwards way, uh, we bring in people and be like, this person will, you know, fit our culture. What organizations need to do instead and the like cure for the culture fit conversation is that Organizations need to figure out what their culture is, a clearly defined behavior-based culture that says, these are the ground rules of this culture. Now, when I'm hiring someone, I'm not saying like, is this person a culture fit, right? And like, I'm looking at, are they a culture fit for us? I'm saying, I, as an organization, already know what my culture is. And in the interview process, I'm explaining this to someone else. So my team, we have a like, shift yes DNA code. It is our culture code. And we review it every month. We look like this. So when I'm hiring somebody, I show that to them. And I'm like, this is how we approach our work. This is a 10 out of 10 here. This is our culture, right? And like everybody on my team is absolutely hundred percent committed to this. These are the things if you work here that you will be rewarded, recognized, and promoted for They're also the same things that you would lose your job because of like, we, yeah. this is how we are. This is how we approach change mindset, how we approach feedback, our mindsets around conflict and how we approach conflict, how we approach our work. Like what's, when I say be exceptional as an employee, this is exactly like what that means. So I'm not hiring for a culture fit in the hiring process. I'm saying this is our culture. And the questions I'm asking somebody are about like, their relationship with feedback, their relationship with conflict. And I'm making it very clear to say, this is what it will take working at this organization to be successful and be a 10 out of 10. So if you have a problem with receiving feedback, you're not going to be successful here. Um, Right. And like, I'm not hiring someone who's already successful in my culture. I'm saying this is the culture that we have. And as I hire people in, like they are going to like, 
get absorbed into this culture. These are going to be the expectations of what does a 10 out of 10 look like here as an employee, a leader, et cetera, to be part of this organization. And, um, you know, it's not, so the other part of that conversation, people are like, well, you're telling people how to be, or you're trying to create this like one note, everybody the same. And that's not actually true. It's just that like, I'm saying when it comes to conflict feedback, change management, like, right, like being exceptional mindsets around certain things, this is how we are. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I, I think it's really important is that like, they're like, you're not looking for somebody who's a culture fit. Uh, you already have a culture and the, and a quick point I want to make about this is one last thing. You can take the same person, same human being that's a potential employee, right? Uh, certain skill sets, mindsets, behavior. If you take that same person and you put them into two different environments, you put yeah. you, get, you put them into an organization where their leader is toxic, people badmouth about each other, there's gossip, there's like silos between departments, like there's a fear culture where you like, if you say the wrong thing, you'll get retaliated against. That person will sort of like live and operate inside that culture to be successful. That same employee in person inside a really healthy culture where people ask for feedback and leaders ask for feedback and they don't take it personally. And right, like where we, if you have a problem with somebody else, you go right to the source, right? You put them in a really healthy, positive environment. They will operate two completely different ways, right? People, yes. people like behave the culture that they're in, right? That's and right. so like that you're not looking for a culture fit. You're saying, this is our culture. This is what it takes to be successful. And like somebody who would in this situation, gossip, not speak up in meetings in this environment would never gossip, would share ideas in meetings, right? And, and have more vulnerability or courage or whatever. So like you are creating a culture that says, this is how you're going to be here. And then you like promote that environment and you create that environment. So you're not really looking for somebody who already fits that you know who you are, you know what it takes for someone to be successful. And like, and then the, the interview questions around for soft skills or whatever, it's like, now when I'm interviewing people, I, all I want to find out from them in terms of soft skills or emotional intelligence is what is your relationship with feedback, right? How yeah. do you like to receive feedback and give feedback? How was your relationship with conflict? Tell me about, you know, when you work with someone that you hated, how did you navigate that? Like, that's, that's what I'm trying to, you know, in terms of culture fit, I want to see what is this person's skill set, right? With conflict. So if you start working for me and three months in, you decide you don't like a lot of things about my communication style or we butt heads a lot. How are you going to address that with me? And I'm like, walk me through that. What do you say? What's the conversation? What language do you use to address that? Right. Or with a coworker or your boss, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm, that I'm in the interview process. I'm saying, walk me through it. Like what language do you use? Let's have the conversation right now. It was like, approach me and tell me that you think I hate all your ideas and I shoot them down. So like, that's kind of what I'm in the interview process. I'm looking for, you know, in terms of like culture fit interviewing for soft skills, it's the things I already want to make sure that like this person is okay with feedback, they're okay with conflict or whatever. And they don't have to be perfect at those things because part of my company is going to be that like when I recognize gaps in skills, I provide training and development. So if I know that my people aren't great at feedback, then like let's do some training around how to give and receive feedback more effectively or navigate conflict or whatever. So long answer, but that's how I feel about culture fit. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's backwards. Um, because yeah, you need to already know who you are, uh, and then hire for somebody that like, you know, in relation to that, but people will become great if you put them in a great environment. Uh, That's right. so somebody who would never ask for feedback when they're in a company where it's an expectation that they get feedback and ask for feedback from their leader or from their employees, if they're a leader, they will do that thing. Uh, so. Yeah. Cool. 
That's really interesting. I'm glad that you answered that question because I think a lot of a lot of people when they're interviewing, they go through that shortcut language of like, are they a culture fit? And they're missing the bigger piece that you're talking about of actually designing that culture, designing what behaviors, basically how other humans treat each other in this environment. You've got to know that first. Right. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, so before we go, because I know I've got to let you go. You've got a lot going on. I do want to ask the question that you asked me to ask you that everybody else is asking you too. What are the steps and in what order do we take them to build culture? Okay. Culture. Okay. And I will, I will try to be succinct with this answer. So I'm typing this whole time. So I got it. Okay. If you don't have an already existing team or you do, uh, you're like, okay, we need to create culture. We sort of have a culture, but it's not clearly defined. These are kind of the steps for that. Uh, Number one. And sort of like there's three C's, uh, to like make this more simple is like to create an established culture, you need clarity, you need commitment, and you need consistency. And so the first piece being clarity. So maybe you have a list of values, trust, integrity, respect, whatever kind of stuff. The first work to be done is to to create the ground rules of what that looks like in practice or say, what does a 10 out of 10 look like here from employees in terms of how they show up and do their jobs, regardless of what their function is and how do they treat other people on the team? So what? Yes. how do we approach as a team? What are the ground rules for approaching conflict, right? Or uh, change management or like attitude and energy that we bring to meetings or pushback or diversity, right? And DEI kind of stuff. It's like, how do we honor and promote diversity and differences of opinions inside this organization? Figure out for the topics that are important to you like that, what those behaviors are in action. What does it look like in action and written in very clear, authentic language, not HR jargon speak, like real talk, we don't badmouth other people. You have a problem with somebody else, you go right to the source, you sort it out with them, right? Or in conflict with somebody else, we ask questions and we listen with curious ears and we look to like to identify the heart of the matter and we like and we like collaboratively find mutually beneficial resolutions. That's how we approach conflict here, right? Like get clear. So if 10 people read this, they would all interpret exactly the same way. Number one, that's it, clarity. What is that? And also it's not a 20 page document. What I always recommend to companies is like, that should fit onto one page. You're not yes. trying to address every single thing in the world. My, my DNA code for my team has uh, maybe 30 we statements on it. Like we do this, we do that, we do this, this is our mindsets. Um, but make it fit onto one single simple page. You're not trying to write a book about what your sort of ground rules are for your culture. Single yeah. simple, simple page. Um, that's number one. Number two is a just check the box, but it's the most important box and that's commitment. And if you're going to create a culture like this, you have to answer the question, does this apply to every single person in the organization without exemption? The CEO, the person who's been there for 20 years, the coder who nobody else can code with it. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been here, how important that you are, how senior your title is. This applies to every single person across the board 100% without exemption. Like you will lose your job if you show up out of alignment repeatedly, right? With this culture, like to exhibit behaviors that are out of alignment with this culture repeatedly again and again and again, like would cause you to lose your job. Um, And it has to be, yes, there are no exemptions. There are no exceptions to this. This is hundred percent. And it's like, we talk about accountability. Accountability is not punitive. It's not like we punish people and threaten their jobs. Accountability is about commitment. We're saying, we are 100% committed to this and we will allow nothing outside of this sort of code of conduct to take place in this organization without a conversation and a correction of behavior. That's it. And it has to be 100%, has to start at the C-suite. Somebody, Chris, also asked in the questions, can you rebuild the culture if you don't have buy-in from the C-suite leadership? No, you can't. You can't. 
if the C-suite, if the executives at the top level leadership in the, in the organization are not on board and not also held equally and even higher uh, accountable to your culture that you're creating, it's bullshit. It's garbage. It won't work. Yeah. And like, you no, you can't. It just can't. Yeah. You can't have executives that like have a pass. Nobody can have a pass. Everybody's bought in starting from the top down or it won't work. Yep. That's that's commitment. And the third piece is consistency. So how do you not just print this on a poster, and put it on the wall? How do you reinforce this? How do you have conversations as a team? How do you reflect and evaluate how you're showing up individually and together? Uh, right? How do you incorporate that culture into hiring, onboarding, training and development, rewards and recognition, feedback and coaching? How does it, how, right? It needs to be the anchor for all of those things. In the hiring process, yeah. we're asking to like, to find out these things. And in the onboarding process, we're getting people familiar. This is our culture. This is what it looks like. Or here's some training on how to give and receive feedback. Or this is how we do it here, right? And feedback and coaching from leaders and managers is like, if I'm evaluating my employees, it's 100% based on our cultural DNA code. Like it's a checklist. Are you doing these things and how well? And if not, then we need to have a conversation about it. Um, that's it, that consistency. It's like feeding the fish. It's what I call it. You can't build a fish tank, buy a fish tank, put fish and rocks and plants and lights and a Heater and then ignore it. It'll turn green and the fish will die. You have to feed the fish. Yeah. You have to like create it, establish it, clearly define what it is, say, yes, we're 100% committed to this. And then it has to be something that is part of the experience where you live, you live it every day. We, my team, we meet once as a month. Once as a month, we meet once a month and we go over our cultural DNA code and every single person shares, this is what I'm crushing right now. This is an area of opportunity for me. Like, and we give each other kudos uh, for things that are based on that. Um, on that DNA code. All my team is here, by the way. Hi team. I love you. So that's what we do. And that's how you do culture. So short answer. I hope I didn't talk too long. Hi, Emily. So that's it. Your team loves you. That says a lot about you right there. Right. Yeah. in. that's fantastic. Awesome. They're great. Also, it's not like to be like, Hey, I know you're on a podcast and this is very public, but I, I can't stand you. So. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so that's fantastic. That, that's the short answer. That's how you do culture inside an organization. Step-by-step-by-step. Step step. Uh, so cool. That's great. Well, and it's so fun too, because you really do learn. I remember I was talking to Claude Silver about this at one point. I was, I went back and I watched, this is also creepy, videos of how her teammates looked at her when she talked. I watched their body language and you could tell that the people that she worked with admired her, respected her, wanted to connect. And so I actually think it's perfect, like culture moment that your team is here talking and connecting and playing with us in this moment. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, I've got one more question for you because I know I got to let you go. You ready for one more? I, I'm ready for 10 more. Uh, like, Oh, great. Well, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Dogs or cats? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. My real question, given everything that's going on in the world right now, what's one thought you talk about growth mindset. What's one thought you would want the whole world to grab a hold of? What's one thing you'd want to tell the world based on what we've been through in the last, you know, 15 months? What would you want to share with the world? Oh man, that's good. Uh, I hope they all get to hear this. All uh, of them will. I will be broadcasting this. Man, there's a lot of things. Uh, man. It's a toughie. It's like a big, big question. How do I choose the things that I want to say? I mean, what do you, you know, find? Maybe what do you find yourself 
saying a lot to people to normalize their experience or to help push them forward? What do you find yourself saying a lot these days? There's something I think that resonates with me right now. Like, this is what I want to say, because I have a lot of either companies, individuals, friends, like people that I know that are going through a hard time. This last year has been a shit show of Mm -hmm. craziness, mental health, all kinds of stuff. And I think if there's one thing I want to like share with everybody in the world, whether that's like feeling people feeling burnt out their jobs or just going through very tough personal times, whatever it is, is just an image is sort of like analogy that I really, really like is that like everything that you feel, everything that you're going through in the world, like very, very low times, also very, very high times are the weather. They're not the sky. Um, Nothing is permanent. Mm -hmm. Feeling sad, feeling depressed, being burnt out, like being uninspired about things that you normally would love or like, I just like, maybe I've lost my love of this thing permanently is like those things are as temporary as the weather. Feelings, emotions, all these things. And I think that we try, and this this applies to me so much. I have a hard time letting myself off the hook, right? It's like, I push myself. I expect more of myself. If I feel like I want to take a nap or it's two o'clock and I'm done for the day because I'm totally burnt, I feel responsible to my employees. I'm like, you're being lazy. Like, it's so hard for me to let myself off the hook. And I think that like, that's true for all of us, but it's like, when we are feeling all of these things that are terrible, we're going through, and, and even if that's not just feelings, but circumstances in your life, hard times, people are going through, I mean, loss of family members, loss of like, it just, there's a lot of things happening, right? Personal relationships and just everything. It's like, you have to remember and keep in mind that like nothing lasts forever. No, no matter how great you feel, it's not going to last forever. No matter how bad you feel, no matter the circumstances, like it is one page in one chapter in your book, it is not forever. And I think it's really, yes. really, really important to have some perspective to be like, as low as you ever feel, like you're gonna wake up tomorrow and feel better. And like, that's just, you know, I think so much we we wanna push things away. We, it's like the should, I should, I shouldn't feel sad. I, da, 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 like, I have to try to feel, it's like, just feel what you're feeling, experience it, yes. be like, this sucks, allow it to suck. And I think allowing, is really important. Allow yourself to be like, I'm depressed, I'm pissed, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm devastated, whatever. And be like, I don't need to push that away. I don't need to become immediately not that thing. I can just allow that for me, knowing that it will not be forever. I think it's really important that people like extend themselves a little bit of grace and remember that. And the funny thing is, when you're feeling on top of the world, you land a huge gig or you get a new job or like you get, you like you end up, getting into a relationship with someone you're excited about, the times when you feel like top of the world, our egos, our personalities, we never think to ourselves, I'm going to be this excited for the rest of my life. Ever. <laughs> we, we don't do that. It's not a natural thing. You're like, ah, oh, I'm going to be this excited forever. However, as humans, our egos, when we feel sad or depressed, or we look where we're like, I'm not interested in painting, but that's the thing I love more on the, oh, we love to tell a narrative that like, maybe I'll feel like this forever. Maybe I've lost my love of painting or maybe like, right. Like you would never say that to yourself about being excited. I'll never be unexcited or sad again. But when we get sad or depressed or in these low times, our brains naturally want to be like, well, maybe I'm just a sad person now. Like it's, it's false. Right. And like, I think that those are things I want to say. I think everybody's struggling right now in different ways. And I think it's important to remember that like above this cloud right? There is a bright shun like sun that shines. It's lovely. It's blue skies. Those things will be back. You'll see them again. It's like, 
And you have to trust that in the universe and trust yourself and also like stop trying to like will yourself to be happy or whatever. Sometimes it sucks. And sometimes it's just a paragraph in a page that sucks. Sometimes the whole page that sucks. Sometimes it's a chapter that sucks, but like it can't stay. It's impermanent. Um, so that's all. Just like love yourself, love other people. Everything changes. Like you're going to be fine. Um, but you know, it's okay. Allow the fact that it sucks. And that's, have to also know that like it will be great again and after that it will suck again and like <laughs> yes it's cyclic like this is it it's like this is life so that's what i want to say oh my gosh well i know i'm sure that that served everybody just being reminded of that is so important because you know you're this you're this very emotionally optimistic fun energetic vibrant person and i think it's always a good reminder to be like yeah and things suck sometimes that is there is no like magic way out of that. It's just part of life and accepting it and moving through it is just, it's part of maturity in life and moving through this lifetime. So I think that's, and, and that's what everybody's jumping in and saying too that, oh, by the way, you earned your tokens today, Jalen. <laughs> I got to ship you some, some plastic coins because <laughs> this is your day, or maybe I'll just send you quarters, but I love it. I'm so glad that, you know, you got to share this message with all of us. I know we needed it. I can't wait to get the recording out in everyone's hands. And so if you were here today and you know your team needs to hear this message, play Galen on repeat. And we just sent you, this is all the different ways you can connect with him. He's got a ton of uh, people on LinkedIn that follow what he has to say. His YouTube channel is full of these really baller, five-minute, very quick, action-oriented videos. They're incredible. You got to see them. So, Please go check out his stuff and keep him in your world. I know he'll be that shot of hope and reality too and practicality as we work on building our cultures in a new way. Galen, thank you so much for being here. It's really an honor to have you. Thank you, Lindsay. You're so lovely. Thank you. Uh, and thank everybody for your questions and being here and being present and listening. And uh, it's, it's awesome. So I hope that there were some nuggets in there people took away. Oh, yeah. We're going to do a nugget sheet right after this. Me and Sam get back on the phone and do our Galen nuggets. Okay. So you'll be seeing them soon. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I love you. You're wonderful. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody for being here. Uh, hi, team. You're great. <laughs> they love you, Galen. That's awesome. Hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming to the porch. We will see you in August. Yeah. Bye, friends. <laughs> <laughs>